Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, figgins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey everyone, John Roca here. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Stay little chico, Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you've got to play the game. So that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're going to talk about the casting for Robot Man on Doom Patrol. We have some solid info on the actually happening Watchmen series. And the very first reactions are in to Aquaman. 
Is this smooth sailing, do you think? Or are we in some muddy water? Is that supposed to be a pun? Like sailing, <laughs> Aquaman, because yeah. water. I see what you did there. I liked it. So these are dad jokes. These are wrong dad jokes. I, you know, dad jokes will now be mandatory anytime you are on the show. That's the rules. The rules that we are making. Uh, Welcome to episode 268 of Collider Heroes. We are tragically coyless this week. Uh, it's not that tragic because he is in Ireland having a great time. Uh, and we miss him very much. He'll be back next week. But this week, I am joined by our wonderful producer, John Roca. Hello, everyone. Happy to come back on here. Well, I'm looking forward to all these great stories we're going to talk about. Coy, I'm going to do my best to talk as fast as you about certain subjects. So we'll see what happens. We'll try. We'll try. We'll see what we can do. Uh, I'm making fun of him, but also me. And we're joined by one of my very favorite people. It's Emma Fife. It's great to be back here. It's been a little while since uh, I've been on Heroes, and yeah. I'm, I'm excited to, you know, get get back up here and see that great graphic and all your smiling faces and <laughs> get, get into sweaty. some news. Yes. <laughs> so let's get into some news. This broke after our show last week, and honestly... I had to make it the lead story because it is blowing my mind. I think this may be one of the best casting choices I've ever seen, to put the cart ahead of the horse here. Uh, DC Universe's Doom Patrol series has a robot man, two of them technically, but the voice is Brendan Fraser. Yeah. The body of motion, the motion on set in a robot suit will be played by Riley Shanahan. Uh, but Brandon Fraser will be providing the voice and the flashback scenes for Cliff Steele in DC Universe, the streaming services, Doom Patrol show. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so this news broke, and I, be- and I believe that it happened. I-, I was watching a little bit of the new Collider live show, and they were talking about Brendan Fraser mm-hmm. and this whole idea of whatever happened to Brendan Fraser. And actually, earlier this year in GQ, there was an article that's really good, and I really recommend you read it, about sort of how he just kind of faded into obscurity. Like, there was no big Brendan Fraser disappeared or had a blowout or anything. It was just he was on every single movie poster, and then suddenly he just was kind of gone for a little while. I mean, he was still working on TV series and stuff, but it's like, you know, you look back to the sort of mid to late 90s, and I mean, Brendan Fraser is... He's it. Uh, you know, that that first Mummy movie, uh, mm-hmm. 1999, that was the closest thing we ever got to, like, a spiritual successor to Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And I am just delighted that Brendan Fraser is going to be Robot Man. I mean, for, I mean, just, like, look look at this artwork here. I mean, like, the face is the same. I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer. And, like, I realize that he's mostly just going to be providing the voice, but still, I, I just... One of the things that I think about Brendan Fraser is I've never not liked Brendan Fraser. Mm. Are you guys feeling me on this? Just got a vibe. Yeah. And I'm I'm curious your thoughts because I... Well, I think it's a smart move because, A, you bring in a seasoned veteran actor to do the voice, kind of stabilize this thing a little bit. He is one of the original uh, Doom Patrol members, the f- only yeah. one to stay in every iteration of mm-hmm. the Doom Patrol. He, The character itself has dealt with like PTSD and depression. And all. So it's an interesting character to play. So you want to find an actor that has some years on him, has some experience. Who knows how much of that uh, fading into obscurity and then coming back, he will bring, as an actor does, their real-life uh, experiences sometimes – to bear with these lines and with with this dialogue and with these interactions. And uh, I like that they're having someone else do his body, but the flashback is him. So yeah. he'll still be able to be the race car driver and all that kind of stuff, which would be fascinating. And also, I think it's it's it fits the mold of what happens here sometimes in Hollywood. If you stick around long enough, 
people will come back around to you. Brendan had to deal with his hair going back like this. <laughs> he was no longer like the, the leading model necess- or leading man type necessarily, and he had to find his way back. I, Luke Perry had this happen to him. After 90210, kind of disappeared, then popped up on Oz, oh, popped yeah. up in all these like random films, and you're like, oh, this guy can actually legitimately act. And so with Frazier, he did, he did these fun films like Encino Man, The Mummy, mm-hmm. and George of the Jungle, mm. but there was a good actor hiding underneath him. If you saw that FX series earlier this year, about uh, the ball, J. Paul, J.J. Geddes, mm-hmm. about that, you saw him playing a really good, powerful character with incre- with an interesting complexity. And so this is just, this makes sense because he's been booking projects for the last uh, three or four years, and this is a nice next thing for him, yeah. I think, in his career. And I do, I, I read the same GQ profile, which was just a really wonderful yeah. article, uh, yeah. or whatever, I think it was GQ. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and it, it gave an interesting insight to someone who, you know, it, and to us, it looks very different. If you go from working literally all the time to only working sometimes, it can look dramatically different sure. to us as an audience. But one thing that he did touch on in that interview was the sort of the physical cost of mm. working that much yeah. in that many action things. Sure. And look, it's, it is easy and dangerous to start projecting actors' biographies when you talk about their casting. But there is also a certain power to the fact that he is playing a character yeah. uh, who famously the, the first volume of Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol is called Crawling from the Wreckage. Right. Um, and it's about this guy who was a race car driver who sort of is trying to rebuild himself mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and obviously I'm, I'm happy that Fraser's life has been much less dramatic. <laughs> yes. Like that's a great thing. But there, but there is a certain yeah. sort of Tony Stark resonance to this and, and the fact that Cliff Steele, the character, uh, Sorry, I'm, I'm very excited. No. Cliff Steele, the character, is the grounded guy amidst the madness of Doom Patrol. In mm-hmm. every version, he's the guy who's surrounded by people who are like, hello, I live in seven dimensions at once. And he's like, okay, great. Right. That's nice. <laughs> How's that? Like, and he's got this sort of everyman, regular guy vibe to him, which, of course, as he was created by Arnold Drake and Bruno Premiani in 1963, um, he's the, like guy next door trapped in a robot body mm-hmm. which is sick, very like 1963 sci-fi of like what is that experience like mm-hmm. so there's a there's a deep sad side to it but there's also this sort of funny jokey role with the punches thing and i like i just think this casting mm-hmm. is amazing i, I yeah. really i really do too i just think it's absolutely <laughs> spot on and as yeah. you say amy obviously yes brendan fraser's life has been far less tragic but there is a little bit of a parallel there. And I think that when you play characters that are sort of adjacent to yourself, you mm. bring something really special to the role. And like, I'm, I'm like literally just getting chills thinking about <laughs> Brendan Fraser in this. And I'm so pumped. And as Roka said, it's, it's a, a someone with history. Yeah. Yeah. Well here. But also history doing comedy. Yes. So he'll be oh, able to walk so the line. funny. Right. He'll be able to walk the line of something serious and comedy. He'll understand a, a, a serious Doom Patrol, which is full of a lot of serious things that they tackle. I mean, yeah. they killed them all off in, in one of the runs. So like there's, there's a lot that happens with Doom Patrol that I think Brendan Fraser is the right choice because immediately U2's reaction, that's what, the, that's what they want. They mm. want to hear, people want to hear Brendan Fraser all of a sudden smile comes across their face. Yeah. Involuntarily, involuntarily they smile because they have remembrances of his previous films that they enjoyed growing up. So seeing him come into something like this, you just know the fit is right and I'm excited to see what they do with it. I was, I was on the fence on Doom Patrol like in terms of cautiously optimistic until they announced this. Now that they announced this, I'm like, okay, now I'm excited to see it. Which I, 
production perspective you really need. Yep. Like, it got a lot of us to sit. I mean, I was always going to watch Doom Patrol. Sure, I mean, sure, they had sure. my <laughs> money. But, but the question of, like, oh, now people, like, something, mm-hmm. he's, he is heavyweight casting and unexpected casting yeah. in a way that gets you interested in the people making the show and that gets you interested in what, what they were, like, able to attract him with. And given that they are trying to establish a brand new streaming network mm-hmm. uh, with several shows that they're working on before anyone knows anything about it, uh, it's it's just a it's a real get. I hope that the cast can bond with him. It yeah. must be tough to do like a voicing the character after the performance is in. Like it'd be nice if they can yeah. get a rapport. I, yeah, I, I, part of me hopes that you know. Again, it's like obviously he will be filling in the voice once the character is in there. But I don't know. I think that there is a certain level of, especially now with the way that voiceover is done, even in yeah. you know video games and stuff, where a lot of the time it is actually the actors mm-hmm. doing the um, motion capture for their characters. I would hope that Brendan Fraser will be on set with enough regularity mm-hmm. that you do kind of get that rapport between him and the rest of the members mm-hmm. of Doom Patrol. So. Yeah, and, and, you know, we saw this with Star Wars with uh, New Hope, and, you know, all of them were acting opposite David Prowse, who was doing the lines. Sure, it yeah. was only later in post that they added James Earl Jones. So whatever the, that actor is going to do who's going to be on set, either they'll, bal- they'll blast yeah. Frazier's lines over and you're playing off of that, or the actor will do the lines. Either way, I think that it, I think it just brings a nice credibility to the role. And this is this is akin to what Brandon Ralph coming on to do uh, Adam or to do was it Adam on on Arrow? Yeah, yes. to do Adam on like you're like oh Brandon, this guy played <laughs> Superman in a feature film. He's coming into this and and he fits so seamlessly into He's that. So good, right? In that and into Legends too. of Tomorrow. <laughs> like it's just the, 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 I've just been so happy for him because I thought he got unfairly vilified for Ugh, Superman. I, this, I totally agree. Right? He, he, he's he such it. a wonderful actor, yeah. and he should have been so great in that role and right. he just wasn't given the opportunity to well, be really great in that right. role. Right, and it's tough to try to imitate Christopher Reeve exactly. when you're trying to follow Christopher exactly. Reeve. It's a real difficult ask and a young, as, for a young actor at sure. that time. But but I think with Brandon, the same thing. Like You have a guy coming in now who's not young anymore who's going to be just the right I think just the right vibe overall. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that was obviously my, my first, like, we gotta talk about Robot Man. Yeah. Uh, in terms of Doom Patrol, if you are starting to read it, I do recommend starting with the Grant Morrison run. It is late 80s, early 90s. It is phenomenally yeah. weird, um, but it is much, there's also a, a recent Gerard Way run that's amazing, and the original stuff by Arnold Drake, which was very groundbreaking for the mm-hmm. 60s in terms of being the oddball team. Anyway, we'll <laughs> talk about that many more times. Uh, but more uh, classic stuff making its way to the screen. Watchmen's really happening. Yep. Uh, we got on the, the news on the 17th. I don't think we talked about it on our last show that like it's officially ordered. The pilot order had been in, but they've ordered the season. Uh, and we got some juicy information from Regina King, which I just loved, who is playing one of the leads of the new series about how Damon Lindelof brought her in for this. Uh, so we can start in either place, but the the... The, the basic gist, because I don't know how much we've talked about mm-hmm. the Watchmen news as it unfolded, but back in May, Damon Lindelof posted a letter that sort of semi-clarified what they are doing with this series. It said Watchmen embraces the, the... The official description of the series says Watchmen embraces the nostalgia of the original groundbreaking graphic novel mm-hmm. while attempting to break new ground of its own. Uh, definitely not a contradiction. Uh, I'm wishing them lots of luck. But Lindelof wrote, We have no desire to adapt the 12 issues Mr. Moore and Mr. Gibbons created 30 years ago. Those issues are sacred ground and will not be retread, nor recreated, nor reproduced, nor rebooted. They will, however, be remixed. Uh, 
uh, because the bass lines in those familiar tracks are just too good and we'd be fools not to sample them. Those original 12 issues are our Old Testament. When the New Testament came along, it did not erase what came before it. And he goes into that metaphor. But, it, but apparently it also won't be exactly a sequel. He says the story will be set in the world it, they built, but in the tradition of the work that inspired it, the new story must be original. Uh, some of the characters will be unknown, new faces, new masks to cover them. Uh, adventuring through a surprising yet familiar set of eyes. Mm. And I assume that this, New Faces and New Masks, brings us to the Regina King stuff, uh, where she, who had worked with Lindelof on The Leftovers, uh, and is a phenomenal actress, yeah. uh, recalls how her heart just kind of skipped a beat when she got the first call about the show. Inside the initial script that had to be hand-delivered, this is from the Variety article, uh, <laughs> since everything was so top secret, she says, Lindelof wrote her a note that he had always envisioned her as the character and could not think of a better woman to lead this. So I hope you see this and enjoy this as much as I did writing it, and let's do this. Lindelof, and here's oh. the comic booky part, left a second note King could only open once she reached a certain page in the script. <laughs> and when she did, she found a picture of me, quote, that was drawn of what he saw as the character, she says. It just made my heart smile. <laughs> it makes me really happy to hear that. I have been so on board with this Lindelof Watchmen from the get-go, specifically because I love Lindelof's work on The Leftovers mm. so, so much, which Regina King, again, as you mentioned, was also on. Right. And, like, she played a character who was in season two. And Leftovers is kind of a rapture story, so people kind of appear and disappear willy-nilly. And she kind of faded off at some point. If you haven't watched Leftovers, please do. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing show. And and one of the things, because I, I loved Watchmen so, so much when I read mm -hmm. it, when I was probably in my late teens early 20s i want to say and i and i remember you know seeing the film and feeling disappointed with mm -hmm. it and the more i've kind of thought about it I, I i almost think that by transitioning watchmen into something that is tv and isn't going to get the budget of a major motion picture though i'm sure it'll still get a huge budget it's mm -hmm. hbo but still it's not going to be as much as like a dc comics film or something by putting it in that world where you do have those limitations and where you do have that time to be slow and really dig into the characters, this, this is going to absolutely have the heart and feel of Watchmen in a way that I think the film could have never achieved. And, and Lindelof, God, man, he just gets it. Yeah. He just really does. Well, and you know, I'm a, uh, I collected these when they first came out. That's yeah. how old I am. By <laughs> issue, no lie, by issue. So that took, so, what, seven years? I have years? a beautiful yeah. hardcover <laughs> copy of all that's of right. them. That's right. I have them in the box. That, that Dark Knight Returns and V for Vendetta, yeah. those three series, I have every single issue as they came out, that's a, saved in a wooden yeah. box uh, at home in my mom's house under lock and key. But, like, this is... This, this, your mom I, is I, reading your comics right now. <laughs> you think they're under lock and key. <laughs> or trying to sell them, knowing my mom. I can't get rid of this clutter. But, look, this is, this is to me, I think this is the right way to go. And I'm with yes. Emma as well. Like, this, a TV series feels like issues of a comic. Yeah. Uh, especially mm -hmm. a graphic novel that's going issue by issue. So, to me, this makes a lot of sense, and it works. And we see that the idea of the Watchmen stays with the comic book culture for decades now. The fact that there's a new run of it that came out a few, a few months ago go that let's try to incorporate into the, the, the dr manhattan's a big deal now in this thing so all rorschach a version of rorschach is back so these characters 
although they were created in a sense because I think uh, more wanted to do something with the with the current characters that were ag- in DC. He was going to use the Charlton characters gonna, who'd recently been incorporated. Exactly. You know, this pitch, and they were like, maybe just use new yeah. Yeah. Like, those and characters, so, and, and so then you can do whatever you want. What's the brilliance is they all have shades of characters we've seen before, mm-hmm. but in different ways, so they work, and they're more real, more human. And I thought, if you see the director's cut of Z- of, the Z- of Watchmen, I actually go back and actually enjoy it now. I think it I think it aged better, and at okay. the time when it was released, I don't think it hit the right buttons, and people just felt disappointed. And that's a lot. I felt that way walking out. I was like, why don't I like this more? But I think, but I've gone back over the last couple of years and saying it's really good. So this whole thing, when Lindoff is describing it, there's a line in The Princess Bride. Wallace Shawn says, "Truly, you have a dizzying intellect," and that's what I hear <laughs> when I hear him describe. It's the Bible, but it's not the Bible. It is, but it isn't. It's remixing. We're doing th- we're doing some EDM with it. Like you're gonna love <laughs> bringing some new uh, new singers. It's gonna be incredible. Uh, reggaeton. It's all there. And so to me, that I like that he's he's going to be crazy. One, well, it I feels think, like jazz, and, I think and I'm too, excited about that. You know, with with Lindelof, one of the things I think he does really well is kind of play with time in yes. a non-linear way where yeah. he shows we saw it things lost. We saw it exactly like he, yeah. he shows things out of order in such a compelling way that you feel confused in a good way yeah, yeah, yeah. not in a i have no idea what's going on in a okay if i just watch really carefully i can put all the pieces together and figure it out kind right. of way well and so, what's interesting about the quote here and I real quick yeah, amy yeah. is regina king says uh said i uh i couldn't think of, think of a better woman to lead this so let you know it sounds to me like regina is the point person on this series mm-hmm. and once again like we saw with brandon frazier We've seen the cast. The rumor, Regina is a veteran actress who's been, who's produced, mm-hmm. who's written, I think, who's directed. She, she is a powerhouse in the industry that people do not talk about enough. And uh, the work she's done in everything from series to film has, in, has been incredible. I mean, she's from Maybe Miss Congeniality to American Crime. Like, she's yeah. an incredible She's going to be the Dave Gibbons of this where it's like, she was already good, but this is the reason you will finally appreciate her. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But she will leave yes. it. So what does that say? So I'm, 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 I'm an African-American woman. Woman leading a superhero series, never heard of. Uh, so I love that this I'm is happening. I'm so here for it. Yeah. And, and I think too that, and you know, in in regards to what she's kind of teased about the series and what he has said yeah. in, in regards to, you know, we're using the Watchmen as our inspiration. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening in all of the major comic book films. Mm. For the most part, they're not adapting stories directly. They are taking bits and pieces from stories. They're, you know, they're incorporating the familiar, but ultimately they're creating something new that is true to the characters we know and love from the comics. So I think that that's kind of what we're looking at Mm -hmm. here with Watchmen. And that's, that's exciting. Yeah, it is. I, have poked and will continue to poke a lot of fun at sort of the like, like, so you're going to do it, but not do it, but it's afterwards, but it's not a sequel. But it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. I'm really enjoying this sort of like, mm, okay, but I'm enjoying it in a way where I do think honestly that this project is bonkers in a number of ways. I think Watchmen is a perfect self-contained work, but I also think my Watchmen book will remain the perfect self-contained book it is, mm-hmm. no matter how much is or isn't added to it. And yes. I... One thing that's been very successful about this lead-up, and one reason I wanted to uh, highlight this, was that I am very much persuaded that Damon Lindelof loves and understands this book. Yeah. And is going to attempt to add something worthy to its legacy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm excited by that. Like, the, the I'm sending you the script, and you can't look at the picture of you until you're halfway through. Like, it's... 
it's it's adorable mm-hmm. and it's it's someone in love with the story they're telling and in love with the experience they hope they can create for their audience like she was the the audience for that mm-hmm. and he saved the reveal like for his audience which was the person reading for the part yeah. like there is there is a love there that like whether or not this makes sense and there is the the elephant in the room which i love that he addressed in the letter where mm-hmm. he's like look I kind of think doing this show is morally indefensible, but I'm doing it uh, mm-hmm. because yeah. we all know the history of Watchmen yeah. uh, in the late 80s and its role in the battle for creator rights and the the good things that have come out of the changed perspective since then. Yeah. But I'm still glad he's doing it mm-hmm. and I'm excited to see whatever the heck it is. And maybe Elmore might actually like this version. Who knows? He might actually like one Finally, one version <laughs> of his uh, adaptation of one of his, his uh, books works would be great. I hope... Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen gets a shot at this as well. Oh, that, that, I would love that. Right? I mean, that they that's... talked about it and then they stopped talking. Yeah, about and that's it. frustrating because the film the film was not great. So uh, <laughs> don't throw Tom Sawyer in. He had no business being in there. But like, I, I took my he, dad to that movie. I was like, Dad, you're gonna love this. It's history. I love this yeah, comic. It's great. Literature. We're gonna have a great time. <laughs> like, a... terrible. But like, and so I I think that should have the next thing they do as well. They turn that into a TV series. That would be fun. Yeah. They they announced at one point like a female led League of Extraordinary Gentlemen project and then they just yeah. dropped it. Yeah. I don't know. Hey everyone, John Roca here. Udemy is the largest and most accessible online learning marketplace with the most courses, teachers, and opportunities for students everywhere around the globe. Udemy has over 65,000 courses from coding to comic book art available anywhere on their website and app. One thing I love about podcasting and about listening to podcasts is the learning experience. To be able to open my ideas up to others and to listen to new ideas in a space that a decade ago wouldn't have been available to me. And you guys know that. I have a lot of podcasts that I host and I'm a guest on so I enjoy what that podcast community can give back to me and what I can give back to them. That reminds me of another great learning tool I found the other day called Udemy. With over 65,000 courses, Udemy is the largest space for online learning. As I said before, they have courses on comic book art. Look, as the producer for Collider Heroes, I got to be on top of comic book stuff. I took a course for Udemy, gave me a whole new perspective on comic book art. It was really incredible. And Udemy has something for everyone. Whether I'm at home, at the desk, on the computer, or using their app on my phone, Udemy gives me access to new knowledge wherever I am. You guys need to check out Udemy. They've helped students all over the world improve their skills, their careers and their lives and they've helped me set up this exclusive offer for my listeners only go to ude.my slash collider right now that's ude.my slash collider right now and get 90% off when you sign up for classes you will not find a better price so sign up for classes now using my link ude.my slash collider and get access to life-changing classes for 90% off And make sure you download their app for your phone so you can stream your studies wherever you are. That's ude.my slash collider, ude.my slash collider. Uh, is it time for our minor mutations? Let's do minor mutations, You're the Amy. And you sitting right there. I don't know. I'll get used to it. You're great. Our first minor mutation this week is a sober one, a somber one. Uh, legendary Golden Age artist Russ Keith has passed away. 
Uh, so we will talk a little bit about his work in a minute, uh, but that happened last Friday. Uh, he was in his early 90s, uh, and he is a name you should all know. Yeah, great work. I discovered him later on in life. Also, Alec Baldwin is uh, apparently joining Todd Phillips' Joker movie to play dun, 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 Thomas Wayne. What version of Thomas Wayne is this guy playing? What does this mean? We're going to talk about that possibly. We also got word this week that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is officially, if unsurprisingly, <laughs> on hold. Yeah, and also the DC TV crossover dates were announced there December 9th through 11th. So put that on your calendar. Don't go out of town for your birthday. And they're bringing Lois Lane. Superman's coming. Tyler Hawkland, and he's bringing Lois Lane. We've also got the first tantalizing little social media reactions to what seems to have been the first official test screening of Aquaman. <laughs> and they're pretty good. Yes. Uh, what is a great film, and what does that have to do with Metal Claws? Well, Ethan Hawke, the, uh, you know, the arbiter of amazing, great film, he's going to offer his perspective on Logan. I'm sure we're all waiting with bated breath. <laughs> I don't think Roka has a take on that last one. Uh, <laughs> no also, opinion at all. <laughs> we found out this week uh, that Hans Zimmer, the one and only Hans Zimmer, is going to be scoring Wonder Woman 84. And this is an Amy special. Uh, you can apparently read your comics on your Switch. Inky Pen, a new comic book subscription service, is coming to the handheld in November. The first international non-game Switch app to launch on the eShop. What does that mean? I literally wrote too weird not to mention in the notes for yes. this. Uh, and we got some updates from the producer of Black Adam, who says it is definitely happening. Wow. Well, there it is. So what jumps out in the minor mutations? Well, I, I think you should leave this and jump off with, uh, with Russ Heath, uh, I, Amy. I think we should start there. Yeah. Okay, so Russ Heath was one of the uh, Golden Age greats. He is known for his war stories. He is the artist of Sea Devils. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you have seen his art because I use one of his Sea Devils covers as my <laughs> banner. Uh, you can see some of his, his work up here. He uh, just an absolute legend who worked throughout his life, uh, up into this decade, and uh, didn't, as with many Golden Age artists, didn't always necessarily get to see and reap the rewards of his work or get appreciated in his time. Famously, he is the original artist of some of the panels which were used by pop artist Roy Lichtenstein in the 1960s for a a groundbreaking series of paintings that are very controversial among comic book fans mm. because they opened the art world's eyes to comics in a particular way but involved literally just copying the work of other folks. Mm. If you want some more insight on that story, there's a wonderful comic that Russ Heath did uh, only a few years ago for the Hero Initiative where he retells the story of going to an art exhibit of Roy Lichtenstein <laughs> of his work. His <laughs> um, and, uh, wow talking about struggling in his older age uh, and so I would love to take this opportunity to plug the Hero Initiative. It is an organization that provides uh, services and help to creators in need because comic book creators don't have a union and especially the ones from previous generations don't have pensions or retirement plans uh, and they can end up struggling and they've given us so much joy. Uh, so the Hero Initiative meant a lot to Russ. Uh, he did that comic for them uh, and I encourage anyone to please check them out, volunteer, give uh, if you can because they are the heroes that made mm -hmm. all of our favorite stuff happen. And I think it's just it's an unfortunate trend that you touched upon, Amy, that we see so often, mm. which is that we don't really even know who these creators are until they pass away. And you, their name comes up, and then you, you look back at their body of work, and you're like, oh, they worked on so many things mm. that I know and love. And just 
remember remember to focus on the creators is really <laughs> is really my point and uh, everybody needs a union <laughs> yeah really, I mean, <laughs> oh, it breaks my heart <laughs> well you know batman and bill that documentary that they did about bill finger that was oh. uh that was a really uh, powerful doc that i that was like just the animation of seeing him alone in a one-bedroom apartment and that as he passed away getting older passed away like being forgotten at times you know it, it's it's heartbreaking and all the stuff that we go back and i love the hero initiative exists because all the stuff we go back and appreciate and understand uh you know heath being one of them too he did an iron fist thing uh before a few years mm-hmm. before he passed away so that lets you know that the comic book community recognizes these great artists all the time and wants to find a way to bring them back in any way they can i mean i remember collecting the nom and i had no idea who heath <laughs> was at all and then it was only going backwards once the internet became a thing going backwards and seeing his stuff in there and you know having conversations with people who were running my local comic book shop about this guy who was capturing war so well with his drawings how was this possible and then you find out you know well he's been doing this since the world war since world war ii so like he's got a lot of experience you know and so that's it's great to go back and see those kinds of things and have respect for this guy and so you know there are are great artists that built the foundation for what we love now are all slowly passing away and it's always a sad uh moment when they do you know because it's it's less we'll get from them but we're glad we had him for absolutely a good long time and he left us a great deal i was gonna say 91 is a that's a good long life yes it is (laughs) i'm good at 70 91 (laughs) seems like a lot 91 seems like a lot i'm good i'm good we'll see we'll see so thank you Russi, for everything that you gave us uh today is a good day to go check out his art and maybe pick a creator that you want to tell not in a morbid way but appreciate them (laughs) send someone some love today there you go uh do you want to jump on the Guardians? Like, what do you guys think about this? The Guardians of the Galaxy three. This this seems like the smart move. I was talking about this with a friend of mine last yes. night. It seems like the smart move by Marvel and Disney to do this because I think they were initially going to rush in, find a director, to slide them in, do the do the script, but. All the outside press maybe finally got to a breaking point for them, and they were like, you know, let's just take a step back. Let everybody calm down. You know, a heated, a heated back and forth on Twitter, on social media. It's not good for anybody. Mm. Let's just all calm down. Maybe Batista will take a few weeks, maybe relax a little yeah. bit, and then we all move on. I think this is what happens sometimes because this feels like a – I said it the other day when we talked. It feels like a divorce. Mm. Like, you know, uh, you've got the, 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 the mother who's been left by the philandering father, maybe. You could say that with James Gunn going out. The, the, the project is left, but the kids are left. The kids are like, no, we don't want another dad. We want our dad back because they don't know what actually was going on behind the Wasn't scenes. Wasn't that what eventually- James Gunn said about Edgar Wright's departure from Ant Man? Did he really? Mm-hmm. Didn't he use I the did comparison not know to he like a that. divorce? He did. Where he wow. Was, uh, like- okay, I'm sorry, I did not know that. I'm not no, trying to no, steal his no, words. No, no, no. I'm not Lichtensteining <laughs> no, in here. No, I, I didn't know. No, I think, but I, I think that that just <laughs> does bring up a good point of, you know. It's true. Like Dave Batista is like the big brother. He really in, is in the family mm-hmm. of the kids that the parents got divorced, mm-hmm. and he's the one that's like really fighting to like, no, my dad didn't do anything wrong, and you know, all controversy and whatever you think about that yeah. surrounding the whole James Gunn getting fired aside. I'm sh- there's got to be more to it, and mm-hmm. I and I think it is a good move on Disney's part to step back because I, I know for me personally like i i'm closer to dave batista i'm mad and it, and mm-hmm. i mean i think that and i'm sure it's been discussed that this whole thing of disney owning everything mm-hmm. is 
a little troubling. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Because you end up with one conglomerate and only one perspective, and that's not necessarily a, that's actually definitely not a good thing. Well, and also from a studio that doesn't actually have a clean history. Exactly. Yeah, so. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that's what I mean, and that's what's so troubling in this situation. Yes, currently they're trying to do the right thing, but for decades, you know, they're killing off moms, Song of the South, <laughs> all this kind of stuff is there in their history. So, yeah. you know, you look at this and you go, you're not exactly clean yourself to be making these kinds of, you know, judgments. But I get it. It's a business. They got to move forward. Alan Horn, I think, did all the due diligence meeting with James, doing what he could do. So everybody taking a step back is probably the right move. And there's no rush. We have a bunch of Marvel movies already on the slate. We're going to see how Avengers 4 ends up and where the Guardians are after that. And then, you know, having a new director coming in and maybe a new script, maybe eventually people yeah. like, let that go, you know, whatever. It is like the... I'm firmly in favor of them taking their time with mm-hmm. this. Uh, I like this whole situation has been crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, I change my mind kind of day to day about how I feel on this because there's so many elements of how it went down that are messed up, but there's also elements where you're like, can't really argue with that. Yeah. Um, and there, but like it leaves us now in a situation where certainly I think we all agree that rushing into production would not oh. result in the best possible movie. <laughs> it would just be an absolute disaster and it would just just then from the outsider perspective to the to the angry consumer the the consumer that is fully Dave Batista look like Disney just doesn't care right yeah, yeah. And, but they do have to figure out their long-term plan because yeah. Guardians 3 was supposed to lead yep. us into the new so yeah. in that sense you, you, there's no rush but there is a necessity of having a plan yeah. mm-hmm. now we know that Feige can think on his feet and we know that he has rolled with unexpected changes before mm-hmm. um, and you know Peyton Reed turned out to be a real good director on him. And again, oh, not comparing those yeah. situations, no. except in the here's a course correction that worked out okay. Yeah. But listen, um, the merger is going to happen, right? So if the merger is going to happen, that's those storylines you were going to go with Guardians can easily slide into Fantastic Four. This sure. team unit comes in from space, the rays changing. What do they, you have the big guy already in the thing, yeah. replacing. So everything is there to make it kind of work. If you had storylines, like you said, Feige planning out way ahead of time, the Fantastic Four can kind of take those storylines and be kind of moved into that a little bit and take those, and then the Guardians can take a step back and then create a whole new direction for them to go in with a new director and a new thing like that. So, so they just sold me on Gamora being the center of the Marvel Universe, so I'm a little bit like, oh, come on! Um, Fair. We, so there's so much else this week. Yeah, what we jumped out of you, Emma? I know. Uh, well, I mean, let's, let's get into uh, uh, what jumped out at you, Roka, because I feel like <laughs> I you really... You take it, though. You take it. I just really... Okay. Ethan Hawke. Why do we care what you think about Logan? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, here's the- I just, <laughs> just do, do people really think that Ethan Hawke having this opinion of that, like, Logan is not a good movie mm-hmm. is going to change the minds of people who already decided they thought it was a good movie? Like, I don't even understand why this is a story. No. So, uh, th- I actually, Roka can tell you, I went yeah. back and forth on whether to even put this on here because okay. in part it was sort of like, this isn't news, and the man didn't show up at my house and insist that I listen to his <laughs> thoughts. Give me your Logan. on your door, and he's like, Amy, i got to talk to you about Logan. Amy, give me your Logan right now. Give me so, your Logan right now. There's, like, three elements to what he said, and there's one that sort of makes sense to me. There's one that I think he's misguided on, no. and, uh, and, like, there's... Uh, I'll get to the third one in a second. Uh, but the essentially, he was giving an interview about mm-hmm. independent film. Right. Um, and he was talking about looking for genuinely exciting filmmaker filmmaking from unexpected directions. And he has this fear that companies 
aren't directing you at the most interesting stuff because they want to make money by convincing you that whatever it is they're doing is high art so they can satisfy both the gods of art and commerce. And that part of it makes sense. Of course they want to convince you that their stuff is high art and make a lot of money. That's literally what they do. Yeah. So that's <laughs> pretty reasonable. Yeah. But then he, he used the example that he sort of felt like he was bait and switched somehow when people told him that Logan was a great movie uh, and they meant like great capital G. Uh, and he went to see it and he was like, oh, I, you know, it was a great superhero movie, but it didn't. Hmm. We, the, and here's the interesting thing that he says is like, uh, I went to see Logan because everyone was like, this is a great movie. And I was like, really? No, this is a fine superhero movie. There's a difference, but big business doesn't think there's a difference. Big business wants you to think this is a great film because they want to make money off of it. And he said before that, he said, uh, well, it's a great superhero. The problem, the, we have the problem that they tell us Logan is a great movie, he said. Well, it's a great superhero movie. It still involves people in tights with metal coming out of their hands. It's not Brisson. It's not Bergman. But they talk about it like it is. And here's where I will fight with Ethan Hawke okay. um, before we let Roka fight with Ethan Hawke, <laughs> which is that Bergman didn't feel confined by realism when he made his films, so no. I'm not sure why you think that is an impassable barrier. <laughs> But also, he, he's allowed to not like Logan. It's he, fine. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. oh totally. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Listen, it's a free world. You can say if you like it or don't like a film, absolutely. It, it didn't appeal to me. I don't understand what the big deal was. I didn't like it. When you start claiming that people claimed it was Bergman or Bresson or, or whatever, or Kurosawa or whatever you want to claim, then, then at that point, you're denigrating the film. You're condescending to the film. And that's what I take issue with. It is not his issue with not liking the movie. Every right not to like a sure. movie. We, all of us within the space don't like every superhero movie, so that's that's just a given. But Logan is a damn great movie, and not just a superhero movie. And hey, Ethan, I don't know if you were paying attention. Then nobody wore tights. All right, so there was no there was none of that happening in the movie. My my issue lies in the fact that it there was a condescension in the delivery. This idea of and and, and this is happening from Jodie Foster and other people who've come out lately saying all this crap. Your problem is that you don't like what's happening with the industry. That's happening. But there are still incredible independent movies and many, many areas for those independent movies to find an audience on streaming services, on the theater. You're just stuck in an old conventional way of thinking that if it doesn't show in a theater, therefore it somehow doesn't have prestige. Well, grow up. That's your issue that you're putting your old-fashioned things on, whereas this... So you're trying to keep us constructed in a certain way, and the fact is you don't want to change and evolve with what's happening with the industry. And that's what frustrates me overall. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, as you say, like, this is the direction that the industry is going, and... In some ways, it's very refreshing to see something like Logan that, yes, technically falls within that superhero genre, but is... It has an it's independent a, movie. Yeah, too. it has it's an a independent Western. movie vibe. It's an yeah. independent vibe. Well, I mean, yeah. it's like even, um, uh, uh, oh my God, why am I totally blanking on her name? <laughs> Kristen Ritter. I was listening to her on, this is a while back on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I think it was right when Jessica Jones season two came mm. out. And she said that one of the things she loved about doing Jessica Jones was it felt like getting to do that cool indie movie. Yeah. But it was a Netflix series that millions of people were watching. (laughs) So it's not a bad thing that... And and I think this is something that we see across the board in these big studio movies is something that they are trying to do Mm -hmm. is bring sort of more, I don't know, like high indie film elements into their big budget superhero movies right. or, or their or their big fantasy, sci-fi, whatever films. They're not trying to just be 
hey, here's the superhero formula and everything's going to turn out okay in it the does. end. We feel wounded when somebody's, when someone seems to poo-poo a film that specifically is like trying to introduce unexpected artistic elements yes. to the yes. style of filmmaking. Yes. We, we go like, why? But it's clear if you dig into his comments that he has an idea about the marketing and it's what's interesting is he feels he was baited and switched, bait and switched by big business with Logan. But it's odd because he specifically said, "Is like, I went to see Logan because everyone was like, this is a great movie. Which means he's sort of conflating literally the people he's hearing or critics yeah. or whatever the word of well, mouth he's is. Being... He's conflating it with big business's attempt to somehow drown out and, real and art with commerce. Yeah. Really, Those are different things. He's yeah. being very dismissive yeah. and insulting of people as well as yeah. you say because it's like everyone said that this was a great movie so okay either, so first of all you're saying that you're seeing something based on other people's opinions right. pick better friends who understand how to analyze films let's start there and but then yeah. on top of that you're criticizing i not even their opinion you're criticizing their intelligence saying yeah. that they were tricked into liking this movie yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then this is a guy that five years ago said that the oscars are celebrating forgettable stupid movies with mediocre performers he had the Mr. Reality Bites. Mr. Valerian is going to shoot his mouth off and say this kind of stuff. It just was so condescending. Like I said, he to me, he's always struck me as that guy. You know, the guy looks like he hasn't shaved. He's got a little facial hair. He walks into the main area of the quad, and he sits conveniently in a place where you can see him. But he looks like he's had he's got a he's got a ratty copy of William, William S. Burroughs thing that he's reading, so he can be seen. But you then, sound and, like it's Animal House, and you're going to smash his. I'm going to smash his guitar. <laughs> You gave your love a cherry? <laughs> you know, so all that kind of stuff. It's just so frustrating because these kinds of guys, I've seen them through my whole life, this pretentious crap where they don't want to, they want to be caught up in this intellectualism and shit on everything else. And the meanwhile, they're the, they're the guys who are doing real stupid stuff behind yeah. the scenes. So to me, it just frustrates me overall about this approach because superhero films, the genre is trying to expand. And when it tries to expand with something like Logan, that is about confront, that is about a very independent movie theme, which is confronting an age, the the mistakes of your youth, trying to atone for them, trying to make it right with what is someone who is essentially his daughter and leave her with a better lesson about how to live her life so that she's not constrained by what other people are telling her to do. It works as a human thing. It works as a, as a daughter to, I mean, a, a father to a daughter thing. It works overall as this idea of, of wanting to leave a better legacy than you started out with some and coming to terms with the mistakes of your past and redemption, it's the issue of redemption. It's all there. And so to me, to, to, to say it doesn't have the themes of, an, of a, a film like Bergman or, or Bresson or any other great, fantastic filmmaker is completely uh, misguided and blind. Yeah. It is sad to me that he sort of missed the point. But what, what is interesting, and we're contributing to it by having this discussion, but he gave a giant <laughs> interview about the importance of film festivals and independent film. And he said, here's the actual intro to those Logan comments. I'm always astonished. I'm sure you are, too. You can go on Apple TV now and see that Joaquin Phoenix and Gwyneth Paltrow made a movie together that I never heard of. What? And like Matt Damon's in a Clint Eastwood movie I never heard of? So many things get lost in the cracks. And if those big names are getting lost, where are the Gattacas of right now? It might be like other art forms where it might take 50 years to curate what's happening just, right now. Has just shoving that little shout out to Gattaca. Well, you that's why reference your own movie. What he's saying is that's why I feel film festivals have become so important. And he's saying he wants to see attention going to good work. He's worried that attention is going yeah. to stuff that doesn't deserve it. But he gives the game away when he thinks it's apparently impossible and, to make a okay, great movie with fantastic and elements. Listen, he's he's not wrong that that there are some. Films that get mm -hmm. a lot of attention that they maybe don't deserve, and you get some indie sure. films and stuff. It's always been the case. But 
And certainly exactly. the companies yeah. are in fact exactly. trying to make money because that's, that yeah, is what they the do. Not every classic film is a winner, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not. Look, I mean, Kurt, you're not going to put Big Trouble in Little China up against Citizen Kane. Like, there, there's yeah. those, are those things that are different. They're there for what they are. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Some people may feel that way. Look, I don't want to sure. offend you. Uh, I don't want to come off as Ethan Hawke. But th- this idea of self-referencing your own damn movie in this comment that you're making is super frustrating. And to say that you, because you missed Hereafter, which is the Matt Damon film that Clint Eastwood directed as a fan fantastic film that you didn't catch. I saw it in the theaters, Ethan. I don't know what you were doing, but I saw it in the theaters because I wanted to see a Clint Eastwood movie, and it was out for a while. I don't know what you were doing, but it was out for Although a while. he's right. So- I didn't hear about that one. I did hear about Logan, but I do also live in superhero land. Well, there you go. And see, I, you've got to, the, if you're a film fan, you've got to go out and find these films, but it was it was in a main theater. I saw it yeah. in a main th- AMC theater. So don't, don't say these films are not getting attention. They're getting attention. You're just not paying attention. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Also, the other story that I wanted to talk about <laughs> was Lois Lane being yeah. in the CW yeah. shows. We've got her sister, we've got her dad, but we never I know. Lois. We haven't seen Lois yet. Right. So apparently casting for that is starting soon, there according a, to the article. A breakdown went down, I think, where yeah. it basically is like, a reporter will do anything for the story. I, Good job. Yeah, I, I'm excited uh, to see Lois show up in the CW shows because I feel like this is a character who, in terms of her role in the big screen has gotten sort of mixed reviews. Uh, Certainly since her initial appearance in the Richard Donner Superman Mm -hmm. as Margot Kidder, where it's just like across the board praise. She's perfection. I love her so much. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting. I I was on an episode of um, Hector's podcast, 500 Greatest Films, and we were talking about Superman Returns Mm -hmm. specifically and how like disappointed I was with that character Mm. in that film, especially because she was supposed to be like the same character as Margot Kidder. Like it was supposed to be a sequel. And I just didn't buy that that was the same person. And we had this really interesting conversation about the character of Lois Lane and sort of like a woman's perspective on it. And he was talking about another, um, friend of ours, Amy Vorpal, and how she never liked Lois Lane as a character because Mm. she felt like she was just the like, generic love interest girl. Hmm. Uh, and and it was interesting to hear the male perspective on it from Hector where he was talking about how he felt like Lois to him was always portrayed as like, this is the ultimate woman. Like, mm-hmm. she's smart. She's hardworking. She's accomplished. She's totally out of your league. And she doesn't need Clark. Well, oh, yeah. she definitely doesn't mm-hmm. need Clark. And, and, and so I kind of weighed in and I, I was like, you know what, though? I can sort of see Amy's perspective Mm. because of I feel the disservice that has been done to this character in some of the Superman. A lot of Lois's don't do her justice. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that they're missing out on this character who really is a great character. I mean, I I grew up being a big fan of Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. (laughs) Uh, Real glad that Terry Hatcher was on Supergirl uh, and Dean Cain. They both were there. Um, but, But yeah, so it was like, I always saw her as this like, she was I feel Lois was one of those characters that sort of helped me overcome my sort of problematic phase of feminism when I was younger that I think mm-hmm. a lot of young girls go through where you basically only want to have female characters that are actually stripped of any female qualities and they need to be just as strong and fast and whatever as any of the male characters mm-hmm. but I always saw Lois as this character that was really smart and capable and super feminine mm-hmm. And so 
I just I, would I know really... what you mean in terms of pressure to reject certain yeah. traits or hobbies or the what's often referred to as the not like other girls syndrome, which is a, what a lot of people go yes. through. If you're taught to devalue certain things and you turn around and shit on them, you're not helping out women. Yeah. But it like I'm still in my problematic phase uh, <laughs> where I'm just like, no, make all the characters amazing. But I, yeah. I agree that Lois is a great example of the like I, a character who has strength in a way specific to her character. Yeah. Like, and that's the, the key is not who can punch harder, it's who has the most interesting story. Absolutely. And, and the thing about Lois is, again, is you have this character who she's not a superhero, but that doesn't mean that she's not capable and heroic in her own way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the uh, CW brings to the table with this character. Yeah, I, I, I like this idea because, you know, everyone was making Batwoman, Batwoman, and, and rightfully so. Everyone's excited about it and the Ruby Rose stuff that happened there. Great, great. Bring that in. Now let's see what you're going to do with Lois Lane. I, I, I liked Erica Durant's uh, what she did on Smallville. I didn't mind oh, that. Oh, yeah. I didn't mind yeah, that. Yeah, she wasn't I bad. She, I thought she was good. Yeah. Uh, and, and the Lois Lane character is good. For, I always enjoyed it because... She's not a, you know, she's a, she's an accomplished reporter. Yeah, when yeah. Clark meets her, she's, she's a career woman. She has a yeah. job. Yeah, she has a job. Uh, and, and the way that's a girl with a job. Yeah. What? God forbid. God forbid. You know, and, and it was great to see that she's not a model. She's not doing like no. to me. She's a girl with a job. Nothing against that. I just for me that I gravitated to that character more. I agree. Margot Kidder, absolutely. Like as I said, I didn't mind Erica Durant. Uh, Lawrence and Clark was fine. I, was, I obviously didn't like Kate Bosworth in the role either. I thought she was horribly miscast. She should, should have been Lois Lane's sister. That's a smarter move mm. for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've gone back and forth on Amy Adams. I liked her in Man of Steel. I didn't like what they did with her and pushing yes. her way in the back yeah. in BBS, which was really frustrating for so me. My issue has never been with the actresses playing Lois. It's okay. always with the it's writing a of Lois. Yeah. Yeah. When I say not totally all Lois the writing justice, yeah. it's always the mm-hmm. like... The, the lowest that you write, the lowest that you present. Correct. I was uh, on on my show Wednesday Club. We last mm. week we read literally the first year of Superman comics, oh, and it wow. is amazing the way that she came out fully formed from day one. Yeah, yeah. she gets confronted with sexism, taken off a story, mm. and then backstabs Clark to steal that story. But yeah, you're like, like she's that's hard. She's like, right. it, and you know, it's it is. I mean, it is still like a, a character with a job yeah. and a life. Like she can need Clark in terms of two people who bring good things into each other's life. That's Absolutely. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are the the all time it's the, the all time love story because he she has something that he admires and he has stuff that she admires and that's what makes yeah. a great team. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're all real excited <laughs> to be on this Hey everyone, John Roca here. Podcast One is the leading destination for the best and most popular TV and film podcasts. We've teamed up with the Collider Network to bring you a number of shows, including one-on-one with Christian Harloff, where he interviews actors, directors, and more. We also have two-time Survivor contestant Rob Sesternino with his show Rob Has a Podcast. Seems pretty basic, where he covers all of your Survivor, Big Brother, and Amazing Race needs. Don't miss out on all of the AfterBuzz TV podcasts. They cover it all. To find all of these shows and more, go to podcastone.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Podcasts. Uh, we let's see. I will say that Switch app is very exciting and random to me. It's, it's going to be mostly indie and Euro comics. They haven't struck a deal with Marvel and DC, but it's coming okay. this fall. Um, and it's all it's, weird to me. Yeah, it's reading <laughs> comics on the iPad is still something I'm slowly getting used to with Comicsology. Oh yeah, I just I, I like feeling it in my hands. I know, but the Comicsology app is so you great. You can just take it you all get with that you. Subscription. I know, and, mm. I know. And so Inky Pen will also be a subscription service, so it's oh, just going to okay. be bundles of of whatever's available at that time. That's kind of great though, see. because I feel like if they, it, I mean, there are so many. The Nintendo Switch did 
so unbelievably well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that there are, a, a, there's probably a market of young people that have a Switch but don't have an iPad and don't have a Comixology account. And if what they're able to get in terms of comics is stuff from indie creators for their Switch, that's mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, you have... can put it on your TV, which is just a weird concept to me. Weird. I can't go that I'm sorry, Amy. I can't go. That's too far. <laughs> That's too far. But if you have Amazon Prime, Comixology is only six ninety nine a month. So it's even cheaper. So it's two or three it. bucks, but it's worth it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do get Comixology. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I'm both happy and sad about Hans Zimmer on Wonder Woman because I really love the score from the first one. I do, yeah. too. Uh, yeah. He's obviously great, and it's going to be great, but Rupert Gregson Williams did, like, an impossibly good job yeah. on that movie. Yeah. If they'd been somebody, like, uh, if they said it was, like, the guys that did the music for Stranger Things or something, where it's, like, that real <laughs> The 80s, 80s music, yeah. then I, I'd be super. I mean, I love Hans Zimmer. I think he's a wonderful composer, but yeah. I almost feel like I would have liked something a little more off kilter. It, it feels like it's going to be more action y as well. Yeah, put I Zimmer agree. In. Yeah, yeah. Um, as the producer, we should jump to the comic book pull list, Amy. We right. should, although we did tease the Aquaman test screening right. results. Oh, yeah, we should, should talk. I'm sorry. We should talk. I'm sorry, Adam. Can we push? I'm sorry, Adam. I'm sorry, Adam. Wrong cue. Uh, <laughs> yes, the Aquaman test footage was going to be the headline of this episode, so we should talk about it. <laughs> we it got is, distracted. It got, yeah, it came out. Oh, damn you, Ethan Hawke. It came out, uh, <laughs> and people are, people are, there was a test screening. People are talking about it. Now. They're releasing, these, releasing on social media their reactions. Uh, the prevalent mood is that it's a good, not great movie. If you enjoy the DCU origin movies, you'll like this. If you don't, then you might not. So to mm. me, it's, it feels a little disappointing to hear that, but I did like Man of Steel, so may, if it's in that vein, I'm down. Here's the thing. Somebody said someone compared it to the Marvel Phase 1 movies, and they didn't necessarily mean it as a compliment, but as a person who loves yeah, the Marvel Phase, Phase 1, one yeah. movies, um, I, that was, I was like, okay, so you've got me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the specific person that you're like, okay, yep. Mm-hmm. I love origin movies. We yeah. haven't had one. Why not? Let's have a good time. Yeah. yeah. Iron Man was good. Yeah. I thought Captain America vs. Avenger was good. I love Captain America vs. Yeah. Avenger. Yeah. Yeah. Save a dance. <laughs> we also, we don't know. Like, this is three random reports from the test screen. Right. They might or might not be representative. We don't mm-hmm. know. But it was interesting that that came out. We got some Black Adam stuff. We'll talk about that next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got some comic books. Yeah, let's do it. Here they are. <laughs> This week's comic book pull list was brought to you by Amy going way off the leash and picking all the wacky stuff because no one was watching me this week. Uh, But first of all, number one, Scarlet. Now at DC Comics from Brian Michael Bendis, and I think it's Gatos. Uh, I should really... It's Maliv. Alex Maliv. Very sorry. Uh, Exiles number seven is my number two. Number three is, of course, Catwoman, Tweety, and Sylvester special by Gail Simone. Number four is X-Men Grand Design Second Genesis number two. It has all the titles you could possibly need. And number five is Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I'm here for Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons, man. I, I like to like use comic books as supplemental material to other stuff that I enjoy because if I, I have a very um, sort of addictive, obsessive sort of personality. So if I'm really into something, I just want more of that one thing. Yeah. So that's totally up my alley. And I mean... Who doesn't want to see Wonder Woman with Tweety and Sylvester? I'm sure there's a very logical reason why they're all in I the same story. The full list of crossovers, because it's a fifth Wednesday, so DC's yeah. doing a bunch of, it's usually a bunch of annuals, and this time it's a lot of their, their uh, animated crossovers. So in addition to Catwoman, Tweety, and Sylvester, which literally has a cover where he says, I saw two putty tats. And I respect that. You have to make that joke. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's also Harley Quinn Gossamer, the big red guy shaped like a heart. Uh, Joker Daffy Duck. Oh. And Lex Luthor Porky Pig. That makes sense. 
because the, the bald brotherhood. That I makes love sense. it. Yeah, yeah, the comic you've been waiting to see your whole life. Um, I'm genuinely <laughs> excited about some of these because, like, worst case, you forget them. Best case, you're like, I can't believe that was real. <laughs> Tom King got nominated for an Eisner in part for Batman Elmer Fudd. You never know. Yeah. Um, and Gail Simone's writing that one, which is amazing. Exiles is an underrated, amazing, wacky dimension-hopping book with a ton of humor and heart that Saladin Ahmed is doing uh, over at Marvel with a couple of fantastic artists. Uh, And this, it's all about alternate versions of the Marvel Universe, if you're familiar with the premise Mm. of the book. And this one introduces the Black Panther of the Wild West. Sure. I'm here and for if you're that. Not oh on board, my god! I don't know what I could say. Like, if you're not on board, then this book is not for you. Um, I'm so on board because I, I love that. Remember that Marvel book where it's like the revolutionary? It's is it the Revolutionary War, the Civil War? Oh my gosh! It's like it's one where like it's all the characters. But are you maybe thinking of 1602? Yes, that yes, yes. 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 Yeah. Oh, so I'm, I'm all about cool. this. Uh, uh, can I throw a, a shot in for Scarlet? This, absolutely. Because as um, as a Daredevil fan, Brian Michael Bendis's run. Uh, was the first one I've really thoroughly enjoyed since Frank Miller's run with the character. There were other runs that were great. They were good, rather. But I thought Bendis' run was great. Him combined with Alex Maleev again to do something like this. Just the pitch here is... Uh, a young woman whose life has been ripped apart by police corruption. That's topical. When she pushes back, she starts a chain reaction of events that will bring about the next American revolution. That checks all the boxes for me. And, <laughs> and the cover itself looks badass. So to me, I, I, I'm excited. I'm absolutely going to put this on my reading list. That's oh, sure. I'm so excited. So this is following up on some issues that they had done on Icon, Marvel's uh, mm. cre- sort of creator-owned section. Mm. But now that Bendis is at DC, he's moving all his properties. So they've designed a new jumping on point. Wow. So this is for people to jump in if you haven't read the book before there aren't even that many issues that happened but like okay. they have designed this to onboard you to the story of scarlet and her uh fight against everything which gets more depressingly relevant year by year <laughs> uh <laughs> that's enough of that ed pisker's doing x-men grand design i think you've heard us talk about it before but i need to shout it out every time it comes out he is retelling the history of the x-men in his genius style yeah. he's a genius He's so good. Um, and Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons is co-written by Jim Zub and Patrick Rothfuss, mm. the oh. wildly successful fantasy author. Yeah, yeah. I know Patrick Rothfuss. It's his, it, like, I, there's so much that's interesting about this book. Um, it's a miniseries. Wow. Uh, he he t- came on Wednesday Club and talked to us a bit about oh, it. But that's he, he, so funny. It was one of those where he was like, I couldn't let someone else do that. I'm not allowed to say no to say yes to new projects right now because I have too much on my plate. <laughs> but I couldn't say no to this. Yeah. It's Dungeons and Dragons and Rick and Morty. So we're all very That's excited awesome. for that. <laughs> An honorable mention, uh, because it is now Venom season, mm. to two different Venom miniseries coming out today. Venom First Host, number one, and Web of Venom, Venom. <laughs> Like Vietnam, like it's in Vietnam. I don't know what oh. this book is, but it's by Donnie oh, Case. Nom, that oh, nice. I thought you meant Nom, like Nom. Oh, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> yep. That oh, there that would is. be the Scotty yeah. Young uh, parody <laughs> of this perfect. book, and I, I want it. to read that as well. <laughs> so that's our pull list for this week. Please let me know. Uh, tweet at me with your picks because I love doing this, and I love hearing about what books y'all are reading. Hoo-ah. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to some shorter questions, Amy. Yeah. We only have uh, we only have a little bit of time, I so yes, I got the whiteboard of justice here. I think we can get to two. Okay. So uh, do you want to pick the first one, and then we'll jump into the sweaty question, or do you want okay. me to? Okay. Um, let's let's go with actually the second question here. The, uh, KB Tibbs. Okay. Movies and TV have really been expanding their benches beyond the most famous characters from the big two publishers. What characters from indie publishers are your dark horse picks for launching a surprise franchise? Pun intended. Well done. 
Hmm. Okay, so I'm actually just going to sort of use this as an opportunity to shout out something else that we didn't talk about in the poll list. So today Mm. also was the finale of the uh, Power Rangers Shattered Grid storyline that was happening in Boom Comics, which Boom's kind of an indie-ish studio, yeah. so that's how I'm getting around this. But <laughs> it, it reminded me, so Shattered Grid is an amazing storyline. It's very dark. Uh, and I would love to see like a, an opportunity, especially now that Hasbro owns Power Rangers because they now own all of the Saban brands. Yeah. I would love to see more Power Ranger stuff that's pushed in a direction of all produced, like, in one studio instead of just taking footage from a Super Sentai thing. And because I think that's one of the things they've been doing super well in the comics is like really exploring these storylines in a way that they can't where when you're constrained to using the Super Sentai footage mm. that you have. So I would I would love to see an, a, a fresh take on Power Rangers, a la how we had like a fresh take on Voltron on Netflix, you know, just like taking these properties that were originally sort of mishmashes of other properties and making them into something that's really their own. That's a great call. Take your advice from what other people are showing yeah. you as possible with your story. Yeah. yeah. Roka, do you have a pick? Uh, Midnighter. I would love oh, to see yeah. Midnighter nice. get, I mean, the one that survived all this stuff, got his own spinoff. Midnighter would be great to see that. Uh, I've always been a fan of The Question. That run in the 90s was incredible. Uh, also Spectre. Spectre mm. should absolutely, if they do Green Lantern right 10 years from now, please, DC, I want to see how Jordan becomes Spectre. That would be awesome uh and i also i would throw in savage dragon and death blow i always love those two coming out of image hey and the max i know the max was an animated series but the max on feature film would be awesome if you could do where the wild things are like that you can do the max like that so sure so it because it's uh i'm i'm required to periodically mention this uh strangers in paradise oh yeah it's it's not superhero franchise stuff. If you want that, you need Jeff Lemire's Black Hammer, which I'd love to see like a yes. mature audience's animated version of. I think that'd be amazing. Uh, but Strangers in Paradise is the continually overlooked. They keep announcing things and then not talking about them again. Um, it is an incredible love story. It's got action. It's got uh, development over time that is unparalleled. Check it out. Uh, and it's time for the sweaty question of the week, which again... No one was watching out for me this week, so I chose the playing to the judge question from Big C at Carlito Classico. What one do you recommend for somebody wanting to start reading Squirrel Girl? I mean... It's real easy. There's a run that you need. It is by Ryan North and Erica Henderson. Yes, exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. But I feel like yeah. it's been some time Unbeatable since I said girl. that out oh, loud yeah. on the internet. So uh, she has now since stepped away from the book. They got several years into this book. She's been replaced by artist Derek Charm. She's still doing covers. Ryan North, again, is a genius. Mm. It is so funny and so good and so impossible to describe that all I can do is keep telling people to check it out and hope that they take my advice yeah. because it's a life changer. I meant to actually look for my roommate's copies of it to bring to be like, this is the answer. <laughs> I just forgot. <laughs> Any uh, final thoughts? Um, no, I will actually start reading this. I, I am not uh, as versed in Squirrel Girl as uh, our own Amy Dallin is here. I, I, I will actually take the time to read. Is it on comic? Has it been around long enough that it would be on Comixology? It is. Yeah, it should it's be. It started in 2014 yeah. and has tonight. been going strong with the same writer ever since. Okay, it's, I will it's start tonight. It's just its own thing. And I'm going to find those old Scarlet issues that you were talking about. If I can find those, then I'll jump into this. I have my ways of finding comics. Let me just say, <laughs> Old Man Logan has been my obsession. That is, listen, I'm at an age where I understand Old Man Logan, so to me, Old Man Logan has been my obsession yeah. for the last three months. Mm. I've caught up on all the series, oh, right? Nice. 
coming out of Logan, awesome. having seen the movie, I was like, okay. So it took me a while to get around to the comics. Then when I read that comic series with Old Man Hawkeye, which should be its own film as well, Old Man Hawkeye was fantastic. And then sliding into the old, the, the old Man Logan they did there. Then there was a middle series, and now I'm on to the actual regular series and the incredible arcs that they go on with this character. Who knew Logan could be even richer as you made him older and having to figure out what's going on, what's real, what isn't, the land of the Hulks, all that kind of stuff is just so incredible. It speaks my language, and that's why I love it so much. It's so been I, fantastic. This week we also yeah. saw The Hunt for Wolverine Dead Ends, which is beginning Ooh. to end the saga of looking for him, but it is funny because it's like, he's been gone since 2014, but he hasn't because we've had several oh, right. years of amazing comics yeah. starring Old Man Logan. Yeah, exactly. Hmm? Well, so, there you go. Thank you so much for stepping in for Koi, and oh, thank please. you so much for My joining pleasure. us. Yeah, Emma. you're welcome. It was great to be here. <laughs> Next week, Koi is back in the chair and back in the country, and uh, <laughs> we will look forward to seeing you on next week's Collider Heroes. Until then, stay sweaty. Stay little chico, pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.